<laughs> Roses are red, violets are blue. I cannot write poetry. And neither can I. I was supposed to finish it. I it was making these. It doesn't rhyme. Then. It was supposed to be and not and neither can you. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Ugh. Welcome, fellow nerds, to another episode of the Ritwit. I'm no poet. Us two twits <laughs> who talk about ridding sometimes need to call in experts. Yeah, I'm not. I'm Why not are poet. they experts? Well, if they're better than us, and we always proclaim we are better than you, commutative property. Well, good thing our podcast isn't about math, right, Donald? I mean, yeah, I don't even know what the commutative property is. Uh, let's see. If A equals B and B equals C, then A also equals C. No, that's the transitive property. Wow, it's a really good thing our podcast isn't about math, right, Donald? (laughs) Absolutely. God. (laughs) Uh, We're idiots. You and I are both just idiots. (laughs) Why are you guys listening to us? Go listen to something else. Anyway, we've had a guest host before on this podcast, but for the first time, the Ritwit has exceeded those bounds to talk about something neither of us has much of a leg to stand on. Eager to find out more? You should be. And we'll be right back after our usual segments. <laughs> right, like like what we've demonstrated, what, what neither of us have much of a leg to stand up on is practically everything, so... <laughs> But hey, you know. Anyway, but we we always talk about this. So, uh, what are we ripping off from this month? I guess I'll go first. Sure. Who went first last time? I don't remember. Uh, let me check. So professional. Check out the script. <laughs> check out the scripts of the previous segments. Cool, you went first last time, so I can go first this time. Whoops. Anyways. Uh, all of our co-hosts' friends are gonna listen to this. What we're making such a good impression. <laughs> so professional. Anyways, we'll deal with that later. Anyways, I'm, I've been playing the hell out of Jurassic World Evolution. You can't play the heaven out of it? That's not even funny. That's not even a joke. It's funny in how unfunny it is. It's like anti-humor. It's like... So anyways. you've been playing Evolution. Okay, talk about Evolution. I've been playing the Purgatory out of Jurassic World Evolution. <laughs> The, the latest Jurassic Park game. It just came out this Tuesday to coincide with Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom next week. Um, it's the second Jurassic Park game to be uh, building a functional park like a tycoon game. Like the whole point of the series. So the first one was Jurassic Park Operation Genesis, which came out in t- 2003. <laughs> oh, God. Wow, talk about a delayed ago. sequel. That's almost as bad as The Incredibles. Well, yeah. Oh, wow. All these timely references. This podcast will never date. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, um, but yeah, no, like, well, let's be fair, that was a huge gate time in sequels between Jurassic Park 3 and Jurassic World, so. That is true. Now Jurassic World back in full swing, and Jurassic Park back in relevance again, uh, they can do this, and it's a really good game, I really like it. It's made by the same guys who made, it's Frontier, they made, um, Rollercoaster Tycoon. Rollercoaster Tycoon 3, yeah. Yeah, they also made, um, Thrillville, which you and I have fond memories of. Yes! Um, they made a Zoo Tycoon port for... Xbox One I never played, um, and they just recently made Planet Coaster, which is a game I think is really fun. It's the next, basically the next big Rollercoaster Tycoon game. Anyways, uh, so I like this game. It's a lot of fun. I like Tycoon games, and I like dinosaurs, and I like Jurassic Park, so it's just meant for me. However, what I like about specifically, as well as all that, is, like, you unlock stuff. Not everything is is got given to you at once. Like, it's like, you don't have all the dinosaurs yet, you don't so have you all have the items yet. Yeah, like, at first I was like, oh, I don't really like that. But no, it makes it a reward. It makes it so addicting. Like, I'm like, I have to complete this mission to get this. Like, you, you unlock it, not just, like, through, like, this little campaign where... Because, like, there's the five deaths, or what the islands are called, the five islands. 
There's Isla's Nublar, Isla Sorna, and then three others that I'd never heard of before, but apparently they're in the books. <laughs> and um, you start off on one of those, Isla, it's a long name one, some sort of Spanish selling one. <laughs> well, considering uh, it's Spanish, it'd be Isla, but okay. Okay, well, Isla Nublar, Isla Sorna, I don't know. One is Isla Moeta, which is so it's clearly the same island as uh, the cursed Aztec gold in Pipes of the Caribbean. Because <laughs> that was called Isla de Moeta. <laughs> Just a little different. <laughs> well, I mean, if you want to translate it, it literally means the island of death. So Yep. So, so and one of them has dinosaurs, one of them has cursed Aztec gold. Well, sounds <laughs> about both. a similar fate. <laughs> yeah, what if there's cursed dinosaurs on there? Anyways, enough about that. Okay, so. Uh, but yeah, having those goals makes it super addictive. Because, like, you have to unlock stuff. And then you get these different contractors that keep contacting you. The contractors contact you to, uh, to do, do these little missions. And they're, and they're often very simple. But you do it, and then you get a little bit closer to this next unlock. You do another one. And it just it makes it a balancing act. And also they make it that there's three different types of contractors, and they all kind of have rivalries with one another. So if you focus too much on one contractor, then the other two get mad at you and then start might start, like, sabotaging your park. Avoiding the, your business. Or, or that as well. Yeah. Like, so it makes it like, like you do... Even if you unlock the one from one contractor, you have to do missions with the other two contractors to kind of balance it all out. So it's, it's really addictive. Like, it's so fun. Like, you do have a sandbox eventually, and I have it out unlocked, but the thing is, it, doesn't, it still doesn't have everything yet. That sandbox only has everything you've unlocked up to that point, so I'm still playing the campaign and such, so... Gotcha. Uh, That's a really intriguing way to do the reward system that you can't even, like, get in the sandbox and play with anything new unless you've unlocked it. Now I can understand why that'd make the campaign really, really, um, you know... Enticing? Potent. Yeah, exactly. Well, like, also, the sandbox is still a sandbox despite not having everything in it. You don't have money in it. You can change whether or not certain things happen. Like, you can have no breakouts or uh, no bad weather systems and no diseases. All those are really annoying. In other words, you can make it like Jurassic Park was actually intended to be. Okay. Exactly. The greatest theme park in the history of the world spared no expense and all that crap. (laughs) Thank you, Richard Attenborough. uh, May he rest in peace. Absolutely. So, yeah, so I like that. Um, in terms of what we're offering it specifically, uh, you're not going to believe this, David. There are dinosaurs in this game, in this mainstream game, that I, a dino nerd, have never heard of. What? I know! I feel like a loser! I'm so inadequate! I've got oh some severe... Gosh. He's having an inferiority complex about how nerdy he oh, is. Oh, God, what is wrong with me? This is the one thing that defined me as a person. Oh, God. Uh, what about what about writing, Mr. Self-Published, twice over? Uh, who cares about writing? <laughs> We're talking about a podcast of writing. Come on. And my book is about dinosaurs, so it all adds up anyways. So. <laughs> anyways, like, so it has some of these dinosaurs that, like, I mean, what the hell is a Chungkingosaurus? It sounds Chinese. I mean, it is Chinese in the game. That sounds very Chinese. It's like this Chinese stegosaurus. I'm like, what the hell is this thing? <laughs> <laughs> There's gigantic Spinosaurus. How have I never heard of this awesome-sounding creature? <laughs> How have I not been able to fit it in the books yet? <laughs> well, I think you're running out of time. <laughs> I know. We're getting. We'll get to that later. But like, so basically. <laughs> What I gotta rip off from this game is that clearly I have to do more dinosaur research. I'm there's still much more for me to learn. I'm still a Padawan in dino lore, so you should I must call convert- our you should call our other friend who also wants to study uh, paleontology because I think he'd be a oh yeah, fun. I think he'd enjoy it too. I'm actually seeing uh, Jurassic World Fallen King with him next week, 
Why so, am I not well, surprised? Two dino nerds <laughs> together. What else would you go uh, do? Well, we watched Pacific Rim Uprising last time. <laughs> Which has dinosaur. not a dinosaur, but, you know, star large, very, very large creatures. If we want to have movies about very, very large creatures, like, that count as dinosaurs, are we saying Jabba the Hutt counts as a dinosaur? <laughs> I'm not saying Jabba the Hutt explicitly counts as a dinosaur because he's obviously an alien. We're but... saying Finding Nemo because it has a whale. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not equating them. I'm just saying that you didn't have a true dinosaur movie to go see, uh, so you went to see Pacific Rim Uprising. We saw what the Thor Ragnarok together. That has Okay, whole... not counting the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Anyway. That has Fenrir in it. Fenrir's a big creature. Is he a dinosaur, You guys happen David? to be Marvel Cinematic Universe fans besides dino nerds. Before so that, we saw Spider-Man Homecoming. That has a vulture. I mean, not a Literal vulture. How about you ask me what I'm going to rip off from this movie? What are you going to rip off? <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, I'm staying close to my roots. Um, not like Marvel. It's from it's. I, I saw this really fun, this really fun name for it. Actually, um, mm. compared to Marvel, it is known only as the Distinguished Competition. <laughs> that's funny that's a funny way to word it at least they know their place <laughs> <laughs> well I mean they are the best competitor to Marvel but yeah um, oh yeah obviously with the live action movies you know Marvel's got a leg up but as far as animated TV shows go DC has yeah. got a lot of really really good stuff in their library oh yeah of course um, one like... that one that I happened to be watching between you know the most recent podcast and now is Young Justice Ah, it's a good one. I've a very seen good it. show. I really enjoyed it. I I basically devoured it thanks to binge watching on Netflix. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> um, that said, uh, there are a couple of things about Young Justice that I really really like. The first is how they introduce a player who has right. you know dubious ties to the enemy. You you know the audience knows Ooh. that there are ties to the enemy, and then oh, they do a yes. traitor arc later. I'm not going to tell you who it is. You should see it for yourself. No, um, I want to know. No, it's fine. Okay, <laughs> uh, I'm not I'm not going to say who at least on Aww. on the recording. But um, no, I don't really care. <laughs> the the trader the trader arc was really well done. Um, even I, who you know, I tend to expect these things because kids shows are very similar in how they execute these things. I was surprised right, by right. the outcome. So that nice. just tells that just tells you that's some really really good writing. Yeah, well, like that sounds like good writing. Yeah, like I, it does. I, I like that when like something like that you wouldn't expect to surprise you actually surprises you. So. Anyways, enough of all this video game or, like, cartoon nonsense. Got any books? Why, thank you for asking. I'm also uh. reading a book by Robert Ludlum. I, he... Oh, I was saying it as a joke! Oh, no, I haven't read anything. Now I look like a fool! <laughs> you, I figured you were asking me a leading question. Come on. Which card yeah. do you want to play? I'm go I want to play both the victim and the segue card. Anyway, so... <laughs> <laughs> what a so pair. go on ahead. What a pair. Go, go over here and <laughs> contemplate my life. <laughs> <laughs> the meaning of life. Anyway, uh, Robert Ludlum has a large library. I've got a couple of his books, and the one I'm reading right, right now, actually rereading, is called The Scorpio Illusion. And Whoa. Well, I mean, it's not only a really cool title, but the, the story itself is really, really good so far. I'm kind of well, hoping ho that I can include so. some like espionage-type things in an appropriate setting. Cool. Um Maybe there's a start of my nano prompt for the year or whatnot because most of my current works aren't really like set up for spy fare. Right. I do appreciate in this book he brings characters together simply by circumstance and they, you know, argue with each other and nitpick, but, you know, really right. quickly those things almost almost become endearing. 
I mean, obviously drastic situations can do that sometimes. And these people thrown together by circumstance happened to live through uh, an aircraft that they were riding on, literally blown up right. inside the hangar without them on it. Whoa. And, Whoa. <laughs> yeah. So there's a guy who, there was a guy who the Jeez. crew knew that died in the, cra- that died in the explosion. Oh no. And so situations can do that to people sometimes. It's worth considering if I have the right circumstance in my own stories, whether it's the ones I have or maybe it's going to be a new one somewhere along the way, mm. short story, that, you know, that is what naturally happens. You survive some kind <clears throat> of experience like that, and you can't help but be closer to the people you shared it with. Oh, yeah, absolutely. War makes good, good strange friends. What's War the, makes strange term? bedfellows is the term you're looking for. Oh, uh, yes. Yes. I mean, but it's true, though. And also conflict has- brings people together. Like it, like true friends are the ones that like go through something terrible together and manage to get out together in one piece because they've lived through it together and helped each other. So true. Sometimes when you and I like feel like we're having like a bit of a falling out, we should just both dump ourselves in like the middle of the Serengeti. The Serengeti. <laughs> just like I'll watch out for the lions while you somehow <laughs> build a fire or something. Well, call for desperately for help for getting us in this damn situation that we put ourselves in. So which of us is more the Boy Scout who's going to build the fires? Me or you? I don't know. We better bring along some friends, otherwise we die. <laughs> Which one is the fatter one? So one of us can sacrifice by feeding to the lions, while the one makes a good, good get, hasty getaway. <laughs> well, I'll put it this way: I can tell you which of us is faster, and I can tell you which of us is uh, lighter. Not by much, I'll admit. But <laughs> yeah, but you also have, might have more of a BMI than me. So I don't. Well, of course, the lions like that. I don't know. Maybe they're like a lean meat. I mean, I'm not lean by any stretch of imagination, but I'm slightly leaner than you. So I guess I have to go. Finish my book for me, David! Ah! <laughs> speaking of books that we're writing... Sure, <laughs> speaking of books, what we at the writ would have writ. I started writing this book. <laughs> it's the fourth... Wow, and... so descriptive. Oh yeah, it's just, that's all I'm going to say about That's why I've writ... What have you written? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, <laughs> I've started the fourth and final Megazoic book. That's right, this is a quadrilogy, a tetralogy. Tetralogy. A four-book series. A tetralogy. <laughs> Whatever... Whatever Twilight was, that's what. Sure, there's other better examples of four installments. Inheritance is that so much better than Twilight? Oh God, I'm in such great company. <laughs> <laughs> the Uncharted video games. There are four of those. Okay, soon there'll be four Avengers movies, but that'll that'll only last for a bit. But that actually lasts until they decide to make a new one. So that doesn't really help your cause. Uh, I'm gonna just stick with Uncharted. So, the, all four of those are pretty good. And it ended on a high note, which is what I hope to do. Wait, but, wait, um, wasn't... Correct me if I'm wrong, if you don't count the spinoffs, wasn't Jack and Daxter, like, only four games? It was three. Oh, it was only three. Okay. Yeah. Because the spinoff the, was the first the spinoff, game. it's... Got it. There's... Well, actually, no. There's that one that was made by High Impact a while back, the Precursor Legacy or whatever. So if you count that, it's four. But otherwise, it's three. Also, there was that racing one, which is... Uh, yeah, I which, said not counting spinoffs, though. So that... But like, it's kind of funny. Naughty Dog Games, uh, the fourth installment of their series always has driving. Like, so, like, there were the Crash Bandicoot games, and the fourth one was Crash Team Racing. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, Jack and Daxter, there were three of those, and the fourth one was Jack X Combat Racing. Now, there are three Uncharted games. The fourth one wasn't a racing game, but it was the one that introduced a Jeep <laughs> into the, the segments of the gameplay. So, Wait. you could drive around in that and do action Did scenes you? with it. So Am I am I going crazy and thinking Naughty Dog also had some hand in Spyro? No, that was Insomniac, so. Oh, that was Insomniac, they, okay. Yes. I, I think I equivalent the two because of Jack and Daxter and Ratchet and Clank's like equaled status as far as well, so yeah. many, like flagship characters. But anyway, anyways, enough about that. So I'm working on the fourth Megazoic book. Uh, 
this isn't a spoiler, I don't think, but um, I this will be the first time in the series, and I guess only if this is the last one, where it'll yeah. begin with a prologue rather than just go straight to chapter one. So why is that? Well, that's a spoiler, so you'll have to find <laughs> out. Whenever this thing is finished, I mean, I just started, so it'll be a while before you guys get to read it. So you guys haven't read the third one yet. Yeah, you won't even hear the title until he's done with it for the other books that he's done. You guys haven't even read any, probably the other two yet. Guys, buy my books. They're on Amazon.com! <laughs> Anyways. Anyways, well, the third book, The Hunted Ones, has begun the editing and illustrating process, so I'm aiming for that to be out by October, so we'll see what we can do. See how it goes. Amp up my library just a little bit more. It's a catalog uh, to be proud of. A catalog that I'm the only one who appears to be reading. No, it's fine. Not the only <laughs> Self-promoting one. Self-promoting is... Who do you think tries going through them with you? Okay, fine. Two people I've read. <laughs> nah, <it's fine. laughs> There's more. There's, I've got more than that. I can't, I can't remember how many times I've gone onto Facebook and seen somebody talk about, you know, how your writing has affected their kid or their friends or something. So don't oh, tell wow, yourself Oh, wow, I don't short. see this. So uh, clearly I'm wrong. All right, cut. Fine, my book sales are through the roof, apparently. Okay, so. I didn't say through the roof, but they're, you know, getting up to the second story. Boom! Oh, for God's <laughs> sakes. <laughs> <laughs> what have you raced? <laughs> I just wrote that awesome pun. Thank oh. you very much for asking. If that's your pinnacle, you should just give up now. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you can't uh, deny it. You're laughing at that. It was pretty good, especially at the spur of the moment. <laughs> Anyways, we got a, a third co-host waiting on us, so hurry up. I know, I know, I'm sorry. All right, so um, obviously I've talked a lot about my uh, Power Rangers fanfic Starburst. I did hand, handle the last episode, and then I handed it over to my co-author. Right. Um, you know, I still... I could probably still go through it with a fine-tooth comb. I got it over to him about as soon as I was done with it. Normally, I take a little bit more time, but I've been holding on to it for so long that I just had to do that. Uh, the reason why I've been holding on to it so long, right. I, I have mentioned my work before. Yeah. I had a group of visitors from the United States come to Ooh. my town here, and so I had to take them all over the place. And so nice. I didn't have time to really sit down and ride. didn't really have time to sit down and do much of anything. Yep, um, except watch Young Justice. Well, yes, you know, okay. I mean, that's something I do when I didn't have to wait when I was done with them for the day. We all need our downtime. Exactly. Uh, aside from that, though, I've been using my <laughs> linguistic skills to do a ton of translation work. Ooh, when nice. the group came here, they brought some letters from elementary school kids mm. in the American town that is a sister city of the place I'm at. Ooh. And they brought letters for the elementary school kids here. Unfortunately, the yeah. elementary school kids here don't understand English, so I had ah. to, you know, translate all the letters nice plus there were official letters from you know dignitaries and stuff going to the important people here and back and forth and whatnot so sounds I've been like doing a ton of that recently sounds like an important job though to be like the bilingual carrier pigeon <laughs> yeah exactly is it quite as creative as i prefer not really but given how little time i you know choose to sit down and compose sprawling epics you know it's definitely a product more than you know not so I can't deny that it is creative work. Well, it's true. And again, written is a made-up word, so we can be defined as whatever we want. Well, so. and it's still using and, and it's still using my control of language. It just exactly. happens to be using two. Exactly. Let oh, me tell yeah. you, for somebody who's never had this experience, word choice can be a beast. <laughs> How many different ways to say the same thing? Do you translate each one of them differently, or you just try to simplify it, you know, make everyone that's kind of similar to translate the exact same way? Is that too boring? But if you got, like, elementary schoolers, then, yeah, you probably should simplify it. My essential answer boils down to your audience. Right, right. I mean, you try as much as you can to keep the spirit of the original, but, like, if, you have, if you're writing for a bunch of elementary schoolers, you probably don't have too many various 
ways to say the same thing. And keep in mind that the kids that wrote these letters are a similar age, not exactly the same. Mm. Uh, originally, we were going to have like, oh, let's do one class and just start this and see what happens, right? A simple pen pal exchange, and maybe it doesn't even resp- uh, get a response. But instead of like 35, 40 letters, we got 103 of them. Whoa. <laughs> So I'm really glad that there was a lot of involvement, but then I was super busy with that. Well, yeah, and these like... kids are in different grades. These kids are different ages. And so, like, you know, they don't necessarily have that much in common. But try and keeping to the spirit of the original letter while making it in a language that the kids here can understand. And, of course, it goes without saying that if the kids here respond, that I'll have to do the same thing in reverse oh, to yeah. send them back over to the States. So, you know, right. it's not as, like fleshing out my scenes, having fun with my characters and all that that I'd really like to do, but I can't deny it is certainly using my writing brain. It so. certainly is. Well, you'll there get to that, that eventually, it's a fun, surely. It's well. a fun brain test. It's a fun brain test for me, obviously, because, you know, mm. trying to find the right words, I'm not too bad at it, and I happen to know a decent amount of ways to say the same thing, which is a good thing I do Well, yeah, in English. But, you know, it's really tedious at times, too. Well, like, good thing about writing through this. Like, you get to know all the different ways to say one thing, you know? So, it, it all kind of links up together, so. It does. It does. As I said, that's why I'm counting it as writing. There's a real, anyway, there's a real poetry to all this, isn't it, there? <laughs> yes. It comes full circle and almost rhymes. It certainly does. It, like, there's a real cantata? Uh, I don't know. What, what? That's musical. Uh, that's not poetry. I don't know. We just need to... Drop this beat. That's also music. (laughs) (laughs) I'm aware of what you're trying to do. So let's just preempt this. We have a co-host that we were telling you about earlier. Yes. All right. So we've got uh, a fellow co-worker of mine here from the very famous coffee shop that uh, I work at that we won't say the name because, I don't know, (laughs) legal reasons. Business reasons? (laughs) I guess. I don't know. All right. So anyway, so welcome Miss Sydney Chapin. Hi, I'm Sydney Chapin, and I'm a self-proclaimed poet. <laughs> yes, welcome to the Ritwit. Thank you for providing your expertise. <laughs> Indeed. On a realm okay. we don't have that much experience with. Uh, yeah, so you're you're a poet and such. So yeah, we got some poet questions for you. Okay, so my first question, we got a list of questions here. My first question. Um, so when David and I write our prose stories, we often outline specific plot elements, like where we'll start and where we'll end, and scattered cool ideas for scenes. How does writing poetry differ from this? So, uh, to start writing a poem, I usually spend some time thinking about the prompt that I've given myself or got from the internet, quite frankly. Might as well, yeah. Um, And I think of some key descriptive words that are related or phrases that I could use that are like, I guess, that speak to me. And then once I have an idea for a verse or two, I can usually go from there. Hmm, okay. Okay, cool. That sounds good. Well, what's your question, David? You have your first one, I mean. All right, well, my first question my first question for you, Sydney, is that um, obviously some poems are incredibly long. The divine comedy. For an example, you could look at the work of Dante Alighieri or, you know, Homer's famous tales. I still can't get over how those are told by rote, by the way. <laughs> but how long is too long? Does that depend on what style you're shooting for with that particular poem or... What, what what determines that for you? I personally am not a huge fan of poems that are more than five pages. I do like some of Homer's work, but usually the long poems get too wordy and loose. I guess some of the interpretation, the mystery, the meditation, it's a key factor in poetry, I think. Oh, that makes um, sense. 
I think definitely like sonnets typically need to be longer than the free verse, but some of the free verse like slam are long. And the majority of like my poems personally are under 50 verses, but I've seen some really good longer poems. Yeah, I imagine more than that would be kind of kind of a bear reading it all. Right. So, um, my next question, I guess, is what do you feel is the best mood for you to be in when writing poetry? What emotion gets the best results from you? Um, yeah, so I feel that my best poetry comes from moments of strong emotion, whether I'm like frustrated or anxious or depressed. Ah, that makes sense. Um, but also when I've had really good days that I want to record in the form of a poem. Um, usually on the days where I'm just feeling okay, I don't write too much at all, um, which is kind of unfortunate because most days I don't really have a strong enough emotion to write like a good piece, I feel. I mean, those in, those emotions inspire you, right? Whereas just feeling blasé. Exactly. Mediocrity. It's often mediocrity, wouldn't you say, Dave? <laughs> mediocrity is not fun. I mean, you look at soap operas and it's <laughs> amusing, but it's so It's regular. all heavy emotions. All right. Yeah. Well, okay. All right. So, um, my next question is the a little less about the process, but more about the after effects. What are the best reasons for our audience, our listeners, to try writing more poetry? As as just one sample, maybe it could branch them into other kinds of writing. Yeah, poetry is a writing form that's really unique for everybody. I think so. Some people really live for the metaphors. Or, like, how to describe things. I do like metaphors. <laughs> you like metaphors as almost as much as I like... That's a simile, I'm sorry. Similes? <laughs> Crazies. <laughs> <laughs> Some do a lot of stuff with the flowy descriptive words or the rhymes and the syllable counts. Um, and a lot of times, it's usually vastly different than someone's style when they're writing fiction. So my fiction is a lot different than my poetry. Um, it's typically shorter obviously and it's definitely not for everybody but i would definitely recommend to at least try and expand your style on that so i've never really gotten poetry that doesn't rhyme like i know there's a reasoning behind how it's defined but i've never really quite gotten it i'm just a muggle of this kind of stuff so <laughs> do your poems rhyme and if not what makes them poems like basically how do you define poetry um it sounds super artsy and lame but i don't really think there's like a set I feel like there are a lot of ways to write poetry that aren't in the words itself. I mean, that does sound kind of lame, but pfft, I mean, you're, it's good on this show, right? <laughs> I have seen the work of E.E. E. Cummings. We've done a couple of songs that he were based on poems of his. Look him up, listeners, if you've never seen him before. Right. I'll get right on that. <laughs> uh, his poems would display, you know, intentionally unaligned or use other like formatting tricks. It's almost like if Picasso wrote poetry kind of in my head, but that doesn't really change its function. But are there any like non-standard ways to write poetry? Have you tried any of these methods or do you just always write or type it in a linear setting? I have a good amount of like visually appealing poetry that works on paper really only um, that I do with italics, brackets, text size, page spacing. Uh -huh. Okay. It doesn't do well when it's spoken. I'd assume I haven't actually performed it, but I guess there are just like some poems that are like meant to be read and some that are meant to be spoken. Right. That that is interesting. To have some poems you can only really get what it means through reading it or through listening to it. Like David, can you get what this poem means? I can't tell. I only have text. <laughs> Use your imagination, David. <laughs> anyway. Imagination. 
<laughs> all right well no like, i guess it makes sense that like um, like sometimes you know poems sort of like how they're not really they're not performed well and spoken they're not supposed to like there's there's like plays sometimes that are like that actually aren't meant to be performed so i guess that's kind of like that okay cool um uh, my next question i guess is have you any plans to publish a book of poetry i'd like to publish a book i have a lot of anxiety about uh doing that just because it's really final once it's published and then I can't change it and it's out there. I'm incredibly indecisive and I've scrapped the whole thing multiple times. And so it's been in process for about four years. And then my best poetry is written in about 20 minutes or less. Anything that takes me longer, I feel like I kind of lose the feeling and it doesn't feel genuine. So the majority of my writing takes place in like one session so I could go back weeks later and edit um but the bulk has already been completed it's just like minor touch-ups um reading is really hard for me but I've gotten a lot better and like more comfortable with it over the years I've made an effort to do that so if the poems are done already like you've already written them is there does there have to follow a certain order okay i understand flow i i mean okay i say i understand it but i suppose for every poet it's different it does depend on your inspiration right i mean i'm no poet but (laughs) if i had a collection of poems i would probably sort them between happy and sad and not like have one big section of happy and sad but like here's some happy ones here's some sad ones like if i had the half of the book be sad and half the book be happy man that'd be that'd be a mess (laughs) i mean like if it was half and half i mean that means one half of the book that'd be a real downward roller coaster just one big drop well i mean come on you take it you take it up you take it all the way down then you take it back to the station which is hopefully up I suppose it depends on what you consider happy and sad too, but kind of sad, kind of mess people up real bad. You can do three happy, two sad. Whoa! <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> well, like it depends on how many sad poems you have. If you can, you keep that ratio and get through all of your sad poems. I guess is the real issue, Sydney. Is it that do you have like an overabundance of sad poems? There's definitely that. <laughs> 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 I guess that's one of the issues, isn't yep. it? <laughs> but that then that's why you can't find a flow then. Okay, so like, I mean, it's easy for me to say this, but I think the, the simple answer is you need to write more happy poems, Sydney. Come on. <laughs> oh, don't tell her how to write. I'm not telling her how. I'm just telling her what she should write. <laughs> you know, I guess I said don't tell her how to write. We have a whole podcast literally about not telling people how to write. Like, this is what this whole thing is about. <laughs> Uh, we're <laughs> defeating our own purpose here. <laughs> I'm choking on my own. I don't even know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> you have some experience with, uh, maybe not poetry, but like lyrics, right, David? So what do you do? Like in terms of how long your sessions take when you write your lyrics? Uh, personally, personally, when I do it, you know, it's largely like all the same attempt, but maybe I'll review it later and alter a word here or there if I like it better. Um, I tend to write not so much poems as much as I consider them song right. lyrics. Like I always compose them. With He's a music major, you see. Like he, that, he he does English more as a, writing more as a hobby. So, but it's a really big one. So, I mean, if music didn't exist, I would be an English major. Right, but, of course. You know. <laughs> as for any very amateurish 
poetry tips from a non-poet like myself, <laughs> um, I assume that like if you're writing really emotional poetry, you need to like get you need to get it down quickly, like when you're feeling that emotion to make it genuine. Yeah, I think if you wait too long, it almost gets unwieldy. I it think. makes the emotions too artificial too. You're trying to makes you wonder how Homer got through all of the Iliad and I then mean, the Odyssey. That was spoken. Know? Those were those were orally True. told for a while. Over, yeah, he was also probably right. drunk on all the on all the wine, <laughs> the fine Greek wines. <laughs> was not surprised at oh, all. Good old Bacchus and Dionysus, the Roman and Greek versions <laughs> of the same person, <laughs> the same god. Exactly. Exactly. Anyways, so basically, once you're set off, once you decided, okay, I'm done with this, it's basically over. You know, that's something about poetry, though. With novels, obviously, it takes, you know, a set time. You have, theoretically, the beginning, middle, and end. But when you're done, you're done, and it might take some edits, but theoretically, it won't change that radically. With poems, you could scrap the thing entirely. You could keep editing it. You could, you know, rewrite the thing. This is kind of a thing that's relevant to me. Uh When my experience, there's this composer by the name of Eric Whitaker, and he always does some really intriguing stuff for uh, chorus, uh, for chorus groups. Right. And there was one song that he did that he wanted to use a poem by Robert Frost. Oh yes, and yeah. uh, you know, not a bad idea. But apparently, at that time, the estate there was some complication; he couldn't use it. So he asked a friend of his. A, a guy who does does lyrics and poetry and stuff, and he and he asked him to do a poem with literally the same meter and a similar subject matter. Well, to use to do this song, that's because he had already composed the song <laughs> based on the poem that they told him he couldn't use, and so he's like, "Okay, I need you to do this, and I need you to do it like exactly the same way." Limitations <laughs> can sometimes bring the best out of creativity, though. <laughs> And you know what? And you know what the poet, the lyricist, then said. He's like, "That's the fastest poem I've ever written." Oh wow, that's cool. Hey, if you can make a, make a working out of it, right? Nice work if you can get it. You've probably made more money with your career than I have, so <laughs> so good. <laughs> well, that's nice. <laughs> well, mine mine hasn't become a career, so I have no it's, no right to true. say. It, You're but, still you dead know. last. <laughs> but I am still better than our yeah, listeners, get, uh, apparently. Mm-hmm. Somehow, because 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 A equals B equals C. This is an inside joke, Sydney, <laughs> that we had early in the episode that you have not heard. So <laughs> I'll be sure to send you the completed version of this so you can see all of its nonsense. Yeah, please, please make sure, please make sure that she gets to witness the the full experience. We were talking about like different. I don't even remember what it was. <laughs> no, we were talking about the transitive property we're not math people so why are we, we talking I, about i this? referenced it i referenced it as the commutative property but the property that i was referencing was a if a equals b and b equals c then a also equals c such that like if we're better than you and you're better than us then you must be better than them which doesn't work when it's an equal oh by the way sydney to a greater than less one of than the phenomenon the catch one of the catchphrases of our podcast is that we may not be perfect but we know we are better than you <laughs> so that's what the context of that one. Oh yeah sorry <laughs> sorry yeah explanation it actually started <laughs> off originally with like at the beginning of the, the first episode i was like the podcast where two losers named matt seem to think we're better writers than you point is math sucks i haven't worse. taken a math class since i was in high school it's been a while 
Does this have anything to do with poems anymore? Or, like, podcasts? <laughs> well, I mean, you could do a poem about physics. It probably would be no fun, but... <laughs> a math podcast sounds like the most boring piece of nonsense that this, like, could ever... Oh, con- come on. Surely there's some crazy nerd out there who'd like to do it. I mean, with today's environment, you can have a podcast about anything. It's... There's probably a podcast about Barbie, for all I know. Uh, yes, but, but can you? there be a good podcast about anything? It's really the... Okay, well, the the question is how passionate is their fandom, and how often do the audience get engaged? Yeah. Mathletes unite. Because if it's something that con- <laughs> if that's something that constantly renews, right? Then you have an easier way to build a following and to keep it. You know, with math, I don't think there have been major theorems that have been you know proposed in the last few years, such that like they always have. Oh, we needed to talk about this because it happened last. This month, just in: mean. someone got slightly further along on pi. How many digits is that we're at now? <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Because apparently we're so good at ritting that we talk about other crap that we don't yes, know the too. Rich, rich. West two twits talk about ritting. It's our other one of our other catchphrases. Sydney's <laughs> just dead silent here. I presume she's just like, "What the hell have I got myself into?" <laughs> <laughs> I think she's just letting us play and have our fun, which I appreciate very much that our co-host can come in and catch the dynamics so easily. Hopefully you're having a good time, Sydney. We always have fun doing this. So. Never say we don't have fun, even if it gets a little out of out of hand. That's the best fun. Um, <laughs> it is true, especially when you're editing it. I'm oh, sure. yeah. I love editing uh, it. It's all over yeah, the place. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> How many freaking hours does it take to edit the thing when you have to take out all the extra pauses and talking over each other? And Also, I procrastinate like crazy, so like so. if you add that, it takes like weeks. Yeah, it doesn't, that doesn't help. I mean, there's a reason we had that long hiatus that had nothing to do with pregnancy. There's so right, many running right, jokes right, that Sydney right is not aware of here, so... <laughs> Okay, so context. We did two episodes at the very beginning, then we took a long break because we weren't sure exactly how we're going to do this, get this thing going. So it was ended up being exactly nine months by pure coincidence. So we had a joke in the third episode. It's like the show where we take a, where we have a break that lasts nine months, yet nine somehow month pregnancy is break not involved. That has nothing to do with pregnancy. <laughs> so, oh, uh, boy. You, if you want to listen to this, uh, you should go to theritwit.lation.com. <laughs> A cheap plug, another one of our running jokes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyways, sorry, trying to, yes. trying okay, to get so, back on track here. <laughs> uh, let's see, this sounds like this interview, I'm assuming it went pretty well. I mean, I'll find out through editing, but... Like, exactly, I'm not sure how it goes. Thank you very much for coming aboard Sydney and letting you talk and then letting us talk <laughs> letting you talk <laughs> oh god oh my god for an english major and a published author your grammar is atrocious sir wait what i, I didn't even hear what i said letting <laughs> letting <laughs> let thank you for joining us and letting you talk i mean you know you have to let yourself talk there's like there's you know a prison of it that, like, you have to oh, unleash gosh. in order to get yourself prepared for. Oh my god! Like the thing about talking in front of 
Okay, yeah, fine. public speaking, public so, speaking, which is why so you, we're recording as opposed to doing a live show, right? I have really bad anxiety about reading in front of people, so there's definitely that. Yeah, I get that. I, I really should be more professional with editing all this and make us not be so anxious about possibly performing the Ritwit in public, but uh, I leave most of this in because I think it's hilarious, though. So. <laughs> uh, anyway. I mean, if we get any hate mail for this weird episode and how he and I started doing our usual blathering while you just sat there laughing, oh man, uh, I'll, I'll be sure to filter it out, I guess. I mean, if we get any hate mail to our website, we'll of course, you know, filter it out, but if somebody <laughs> wants to send comments to us, that works too. Of course. <laughs> Maybe you want to hire her for a poetry reading to write your AP Lit poem. Please do, by the way. We get so much hate mail. You know how you said earlier that we get no that we get no mail? That's because I edited it all out <laughs> for your to shield yourself from all the criticism. Yeah, okay. so if you want to download the Ritwit, we are on iTunes, of course. You can also yes. do it through the website as well. Give us a like and review. Tell all your friends about it. If you have any helpful tips for the new people that we can throw into our episode, please send us an email. Uh, you can use your own email service or you can go to the contact page on the website the email address is matt d please make sure there are two t's in that at matthew donald creator.com yes, in the description we're not going to spell it here because you've heard it a thousand times before already anyway uh also you know official social media accounts of course, what, what I, I don't particularly have ones worth following but i'm sure donald does Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so yeah, I do. Um, you can follow me on Facebook at Matthew Donald Creator, or on Twitter or Instagram at Matthew Donald sixty four. Uh, why sixty four? And this is a running <laughs> joke, Sydney, that we have every time. Uh, because as professional and experienced I am with the art of writing, I am completely clueless. And when it comes to social media, every time I try to make an account, I have to make like a new password, make a new email address, re remake an email address, retake my profile picture because it was dumb or inappropriate or something, accidentally hack the Pentagon's <laughs> network, you know, the, the typical stuff, right? <laughs> After 64 attempts, I finally got my Twitter account up and running after, you know, some brief interrogations with, with Twitter's legal team, the FBI, and, you know, the Green Lantern Corps. You know, just, uh, <laughs> Why did the Corps get involved? Oh, my God. I just really messed some stuff up. <laughs> <sighs> Anyways. So, yep, that, that was the show. So, yeah. Anyways. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you guys so much for having me on. I had a lot of fun. No problem. Thank you for sharing with us, though. We really do appreciate it. Well, anyways, listeners, thanks for right, anyways, thanks well, for thank spend, spending some time with us about poetry today. Thank you very much, yes, Sydney um, Shapin, for coming in and sharing your expertise. Very, yes. very good pleasure having you yes, here. Of course, thank you very much. Um, it was but thanks for listening, listeners. Until next time, you know, get out there, write some poetry, try some rhymes, try some that don't rhyme, try writing them linearly, try writing them all over the place. Who knows? It's up to you. All right, here I, I've got a haiku. I've got all a right, haiku. Here we go. What's your haiku? Then one day I saw. A Tyrannosaurus Rex. He then ate me up. <laughs> good night, listeners, and good luck. Thanks very much, so, listeners, for spending some time with us. For Sydney Shapin, I'm I'm Matt David. I'm Matt Donald, and that was Sydney Shapin, Keep who's not writing. recording now, so she can't say anything about it, so that's okay. All right. Until next time, where us two twits talk about ridding. Yep. We'll keep, keep going writing. at the rit wit. Yep. Okay, keep yep. on riding, listeners. Bye-bye. The Red Wing.